If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 18, the passage that Amy read for us earlier. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 18. One of the things that I've heard a lot of people say, uh, especially first when this coronavirus pandemic was beginning, was we should have sold our stock, right? Uh, before the virus started spreading. If only we'd had the foresight to do that. We could have sold the stock we owned and we could have bought stock in toilet paper and hand sanitizer and Zoom, right? We'd have made a killing. Wouldn't you love to know the future so that you could know what stocks were going to go way up and which were going to go way down? Well, dream with me about that for a minute. Imagine if you did know the future. Imagine if you owned a lot of a certain stock, you bought it really cheap, and you spent almost all that you had on it, and you knew for certain what it would be worth every year for the next 75 years. Imagine if you knew that by the end of your life, it would be sky high, it would be worth millions, and you could retire on it in comfort. But you also knew that in the in-between years, it would go down. It would be super low at points. Imagine that this would make life really hard because you'd need to live off of that stock's income and there would be little to live, in, live on some years at some points along the way. Imagine if you knew the trajectory of that stock would be down, 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 but then way, way up. Now here's the catch. Imagine if you could only sell it once. You could cash it out now before it went down, but if you did, you couldn't buy it again later. What would you do? Would you sell it now to avoid the downturn and miss out on the great future profit, the wonderful late in life bonanza? Or would you hold on to it? Would you weather the hard times because you were looking forward to the sure, secure future. Well, that choice, that question is actually the question that each of us face when we choose uh, whether or not we are going to follow Jesus. Whether or not we are going to give our life to Jesus. Whether or not we are going to invest in Jesus and put our stock in Jesus' kingdom. Because that is the trajectory of the Christian life. Down, 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 and then way, way up. First, sacrifice, cross, death to self, trouble and suffering. Then, life, victory, power, resurrection. First, Good Friday. Then, Easter Sunday. This is what's described in, in the passage that we're looking at today. It was written by the Apostle Paul, who lived just this sort of life. In verses 17 to 18, he writes, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but on what's unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So first, light and momentary troubles, but then a glory that far outweighs them all. First, what is seen? 
what is temporary, then what is unseen and lasts forever. First, Good Friday suffering, then Resurrection Sunday blessing. As the old black preacher famously put it, it's Friday, but Sunday's a coming. No matter what we face, no matter what we may go through, we endure with hope because we know that Sunday's a coming. That's the hope that we celebrate this morning. Today is the, the most important day of the Christian year, so much so that we do a mini Easter celebration every seven days. Every Sunday we gather to remember and to celebrate that we serve a risen king. Well, I thought this would be a good passage to, to reflect on together this Easter as we're certainly experiencing some of the downturn that the Apostle Paul describes in today's passage. Verses 8 and 9. I think we relate to this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Hard-pressed, perplexed at times, maybe feeling struck down, but hopefully not crushed, not in despair, not destroyed. Of course, we don't get a choice, do we, to be perplexed or hard-pressed. We didn't choose this pandemic, this virus. We're just dealing with it the best that we can, coping with the hand that we've been dealt. But Paul, who wrote today's text, he did actually choose a life of affliction, a life of being hard-pressed. Paul was brilliant. He was highly educated. He could have chosen a cushy job at some ancient theological college. But instead, Paul chose to travel widely all over the Roman Empire. In the days before rapid transit, fast food, and hotel chains, Paul walked for miles. He went hungry. He slept outside. He was in danger of bandits and thugs. Often he didn't have a reliable income. He was at times, many times, mobbed and beaten by those who took offense at his message. And yet Paul chose... Paul persevered in this life. Why? Because he was giving Easter a chance to shine through. And that's what we can do during this pandemic too. You see, Paul knew that Christ is risen. Paul knew that as a result of that, the stock he had invested in was on its way up. Jesus's kingdom, Jesus's influence was going to continue to grow in the world and with it, love and hope and peace. And eventually all of that will triumph. Good Friday suffering will finally, eventually fully give way to Resurrection Sunday celebration. Good will triumph over evil. Light will triumph over darkness. Life will triumph over death. Justice will triumph over oppression. Healing will triumph over infirmity. And those who invest their lives in Jesus and his kingdom will be raised from death, just like Jesus was, to live in and enjoy this new world with Jesus, even if in the short term our stock sometimes slumps, and it will along the way. 
But Paul knew that ever, ev after every Black Friday, after every Good Friday moment, in the end, it will all be Easter morning. In the future, yes, but Paul also experienced foretastes of that Easter life, of that resurrection power in the present, in his lifetime, right? If you know anything about Paul's life, it was a life of great hope, of great joy, of great power, of great impact. Easter joy, Easter new life, Easter power, they all just shined through Paul. Back up in verse 6, which we didn't read, he describes his experience. He says, God has made this or his light to shine in our hearts. In verse 16, he says, we don't lose heart because inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what you've signed up for too. Light and momentary troubles, yes, but also an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Taking up your cross, laying down your life, but knowing that through it, as you love others, as you sacrifice for them, you will experience life and power. How did Jesus put it? He said, until a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, think of Lloyd's seeds that he showed us earlier, until those seeds fall into the ground and die, they remain just single seeds. But if they die, they produce many seeds. They produce new life. They produce a harvest. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, this is the pattern of the life that you've chosen. This is why Christianity from its beginning was always a, a scrappy but potent grassroots movement not an entitled powerful institution. During this pandemic, as, as we've been trying to make sense of it, one thing Christians have been doing is digging back through our history and remembering the fact that we've been through many pandemics, many plagues before, and we've been rediscovering how Christians have responded in times like these. Dionysus, for example, who was a third century writer, and he describes in one of his writings how followers of Jesus responded to plagues during his day. These were deadly plagues back before people understood germs, before they, they knew what was causing the plagues or what the solutions were. And so plagues, which killed many, caused widespread fear and, and contagion. And, and so Dionysus writes that, that people in his day pushed away those who were suffering and fled even from their loved ones in times of plague. But, he contrasts, Christians demonstrated boundless love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and considering only one another. Without concern for the danger, they took over the care of those who were ill, tending to all their needs and serving them in Christ. And they left this life happy with them, peaceful and happy, for in some cases, they were infected by others with the disease. And this happened again and again, actually, so that Christians became known for it. When others were fleeing from the plagues that struck the ancient Roman Empire, Christians were moving toward the danger, offering help, offering nursing care, offering support and food and encouragement. But when we look at our medical workers right now, right, we, we expect them to be heroic. We expect them to stick in there as hard as it is and to do their jobs because it's what they signed up for, 
It is their job and we're counting on them. Well, guess what? The same is true of every follower of Jesus. It's our job to serve and to offer our lives selflessly for the sake of others. That's who we are. That's what we've signed up for. That's what it means to follow a king who gave his life in love on a cross. It's what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when we do, we give Easter, like the Apostle Paul did, a chance to shine through. Because without Good Friday, there can be no Easter Sunday. Without light and momentary afflictions, the eternal glory can't shine through. If we want the great cash out at the end of the stock we've purchased, we can't sell our stock before the downturn in the middle. We've got to hold on to it. For those of you who were here last week, Gina Mueller gave us a great illustration of this, of, of a cross at the center. And um, three categories, before the cross, on the cross, and after the cross. And she said, pick any part of your life. Pick um, a decision, a dream that you have, a relationship. You're either before the cross with it, where, where you just want God to bless your own agenda and to cause everything to work out great for you. Or you're on the cross with it. You've taken it to the cross where you're letting go and you're learning to submit that thing, that part of your life. You're learning to surrender it to what God wants for you. And this is the part that hurts. Or if you've gone through that, you get to the place after the cross, the best place to be, because you experience joy and peace and resurrection power. And the only way to get where we all want to be, which is after the cross, is to go through the process of taking that thing on to the cross. The path to resurrection, the path to Easter, always leads through the cross. And Paul understood this. He understood that if he wanted to give Easter a chance to shine through, if he wanted the power, the life, the hope, the love of Easter to, to shine through in his life, then he had to embrace a life of self-giving love and of service to others. And so he says in verse 10, he says, we're always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus. That's what it felt like to him. Verse 11, we're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? Because Paul was giving Easter a chance to shine through. Paul knew that Easter shines through best through weakness, through tough times, through loving sacrifice and service. And Paul gives us a memorable image to picture this. He says in verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Our life, when we embrace the way of the cross, when we embrace the way of Good Friday, it's like an old clay pot. But there's a great Easter treasure inside. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, 
and not from us. Paul says, if you look at our lives on the outside, they look like clay jars. Clay jars at, at that time in, in the ancient world were, were the, the ancient version of a crumpled paper bag. They, they were common, cheap, ordinary, generally used for carrying things or holding basic stuff like groceries. I once heard a story of someone who, who worked for a bank, and on short notice, he had to move a quantity of very valuable gold coins to another location. And for whatever reason, an armored truck wasn't available on short notice to do this, so he had to do it in the city on foot through city streets quickly. So what did he do? Did he wear his suit and his silk tie and put it in a leather briefcase? No way. He, he changed into old jeans and a hoodie, and he stuck the gold in a paper bag, and off he went in disguise. And that's who we are, Paul says. That's who we are. We, we have this treasure, this amazing treasure, but, but we have it in jars of clay. We have this all-surpassing power in a paper bag, so to speak. At first glance, no one would know it's there because it, it's not the container you'd expect. And, and sometimes we don't even feel it's there. We forget sometimes. We don't feel it sometimes. It's disguised even from us. When we go through tough times, when we feel weak, when, when we feel hard-pressed and perplexed, Maybe we find it hard to believe that, that the treasure, that the all-surpassing power is even there. But it is. Because God's way is to hide the treasure, to hide the power in clay jars. It's counterintuitive, but, but it's actually in clay jars. It's actually in tough circumstances that the power and treasure of God are best revealed. Three times Paul repeats this point. I think he says it three different ways because it's so hard for us to believe. Verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay so that, or sorry, to show that, some translations say so that, this all-surpassing power is, might be from God and not from us. Verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Christ so that, the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Verse 11, we are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Jars of clay, the death of Jesus, being given over to death so that all surpassing power from God, the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus, so that Good Friday so that Easter Sunday, light and momentary afflictions, so that eternal weight of glory. How do we give Easter a chance to shine through? We embrace the way of the cross, the way of clay jars, the way of holding on to our Jesus stock, even when the market tumbles and it seems worthless, so that we can ride it up to Easter resurrection. Well, again, Paul intentionally chose a life like an old clay pot marked by a cross. 
And we have that choice too. And, and over the coming days and weeks, we will have choices, chances, maybe we already have, to serve, to help, maybe to move toward danger when others are fleeing from it. But also in this moment, to some extent, we don't have a choice, do we? Ready or not, like it or not, life has forced difficulty on us. Let me ask you, how does your life feel like a, a clay jar right now? Maybe not getting out of your pajamas until noon. Maybe feeling useless because you can't work. Maybe feeling like not as good of a parent as you thought you were because your kids are home all the time and they're driving you crazy. Or, or maybe kids, your parents are home all the time and they're driving you crazy. <laughs> maybe you're stir crazy. Maybe you're desperate for social interaction. Maybe you're scared or worried about finances, about getting very sick, about losing your investments. Whatever this, this pressure is doing to you, however it's pressing on you and perplexing you, let me ask you, is there a treasure in the clay jar? Is there light shining in your heart? Is the life of Jesus being revealed in you? Are you being renewed inwardly day by day? Is there an eternal weight of glory being achieved in you? Are you giving Easter a chance to shine through? Let me close by suggesting two ways that, that you could respond. First, maybe you don't own any stock in Jesus. Maybe you've, you've put all your investment in other places, but never in Jesus' kingdom or Jesus' way. Maybe you're not sure what Jesus' death means or, or what his resurrection might offer you personally. If you'd like to explore the answers to these questions, if you'd like to learn more about the basics of who Jesus is and about, um, about what his life and death and resurrection meant, how about doing a four-week study on the basics of, of who Jesus claimed to be, why he died, um, what it means that his followers claimed he rose again and experienced that. If that would interest you, maybe just spending an hour a week on something like Zoom with a few other people to, to look at that, um, contact our church and we could tell you more. In fact, if you'd like to just try it for one week and um, you know, see if you want to continue or not, we'd be happy to, to help you do that. You can uh, contact us at info at communitybiblechurch.org. That's in the, the comments again. You can find that there info at communitybiblechurch.org. And you could just say, I'd like info on, on the Jesus study. Second way to respond, maybe you already are a follower of Jesus. And maybe your life feels like a jar of clay right now. I know it does for me. I read recently, a crisis reduces our capacity and ability to think clearly while adding many new decisions. And that's certainly what it feels like for me. So many decisions and responsibilities and less clarity, less energy to tackle them well. And so question, in our difficulty, are you looking, am I looking for Easter to break through? Are we giving Easter a chance to shine through? I once read a report about a guy named Larry Hoffman who went to a thrift store in Wisconsin and 
and he found a great deal on a shirt that he really liked. He bought it for a couple bucks. He brought it home. He tried it on, and sadly, it didn't fit. He found it was too small for him, and he was disappointed until he found something else in the pocket of the shirt. He found wadded up in large bills $2,000 in cash. Well, he, he dutifully alerted Goodwill to um, see if they could track down the original owner. And when they couldn't, the money became his. Well, God gives us circumstances like this shirt. They are constricting. They don't feel very comfortable. They don't fit us very comfortably. But there's always a treasure to be found in the pocket. If we know to look for it if we keep digging for it. So question, are you looking for the treasure? During this time, are you digging for the treasure? Not resisting the circumstances, not avoiding them because they're hard, but leaning in to God and expecting that Easter will shine through. Let's pray. God, thank you for the hope that you offered us by allowing Jesus, who was a man who sought peace, who forgave his enemies, who spoke of love, who stood up for the needy and the oppressed and the downcast, who lived um, an amazing, inspiring life and was then strung up by his enemies and tortured and put to death. But we thank you that that is not the end of your story, the story that you wrote and are writing for us, that there was resurrection, that there was new life, that there was overcoming, that there is a future hope for us. And thank you that that hope, that Jesus's vision will one day be fulfilled for this whole world. Thank you that it is the power and the life and the joy and the hope to, that that would happen is breaking through even now, sometimes in small ways, but within us, through the cracks of the clay jar life that we're experiencing right now. Give us hope, give us joy today, and give us a love which overflows like Jesus' love overflowed, that we would serve and love others. In Jesus' name, amen.